Hello all, and welcome to this episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's military mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, A China Marine Meets His Fate. Today's episode of No Home for Heroes is taken from case number 0255 in the files of the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. Today's story has so many unique aspects that we really don't know where to start. The subject of our story today was a veteran of World War I. He was a member of the Canadian Army. He was a member of the United States Army. He was a member of the United States Marines. And he was stationed in China between World War I and World War II. His death on Tarawa in 1943 was witnessed by many members of his company. And he is the oldest Marine from the Battle of Tarawa who still remains missing in action over 75 years later. Hey, I'm your host, Rick Stone, bringing you another great and true story from our vault of history's military mysteries. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the Foundation, visit our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. We invite you to listen to all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast or streaming platform you prefer. We dedicate today's episode to the town of Derry, New Hampshire, whose Heritage Commission sought our help back in 2016 to discover the background story about one of their lost sons. And maybe, just maybe, just maybe with your help, we can find and bring him home. You would need to be an old, grizzled veteran of the United States Marine Corps to know what a, quote, China Marine. You would need to be an old, grizzled veteran of the United States Marine Corps to know what a China Marine is. So let's start today's episode with a brief history lesson. The term China Marines originally referred to the United States Marines of the 4th Marine Regiment who were stationed in Shanghai, China from 1927 to 1941. They were there to protect American citizens during the Chinese Revolution and the beginning of war between China and Japan. Yesterday was the 100th anniversary of our favorite old grizzled veteran of the United States Marine Corps, Sergeant Ed Gazelle. Sergeant Gazelle was a member of C Company, Charlie Company, 2nd Tank Battalion, 2nd Marine Division. Sergeant Gazelle and I talk by phone at least once a week, and I suspect Sergeant Gazelle can still take your money on the putting green at his local golf course near Detroit, Michigan. One of Sergeant Gazelle's favorite stories is about a China Marine by the name of Alphonse Dumas. Master Gunnery Sergeant Alphonse Dumas, in fact or just plain Gunny Dumas, and what a wonderful and unique story it is. Alphonse Dumas was born in Quebec, Canada in 1898. Yes, that's right, I said 1898. By 1918, he was living in Derry, New Hampshire, where he was employed as a shoemaker. He and his wife, Honor, age 21, were raising a little girl, Eveline. His mother Mary lived in Dover, New Hampshire, and his brother Armand 
also lived in Derry, Dover, New Hampshire. Alphonse Dumas' father was deceased. In January 1918, Alphonse traveled to Montreal, Canada, and was sworn into the Canadian Expeditionary Force as a private. Private Dumas arranged to have $15 of his pay sent to his family every month. And barely three weeks after enlisting, Private Dumas was sent to Halifax, Nova Scotia, where he embarked for England on board the SS Saxonia. In case you're a little shy in your history, World War I was raging in Europe at this very time. Upon arrival in England, Private Dumas was assigned to Alpha Company, 10th Canadian Reserve Battalion. As World War I wound down to its bloody conclusion, Private Dumas and his company underwent a period of intense training in England. When his training was complete, Private Dumas was transferred to the 22nd French-Canadian Overseas Battalion. He arrived in France on 1 November 1918. And as we all remember from our history, World War I ended 10 days later, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918. Private Dumas remained there with the 22nd Battalion until 1 March 1919 when he was transferred to the Works Company, 3rd Canadian Infantry. And, you know, he apparently didn't get off to a good start with his new unit. Just a month later, he had to forfeit 10 days of pay for, quote, sleeping out of billet without permission, end quote. Hey, what does that mean? That means he spent the night someplace other than where he was supposed to be. Hmm. On 3 July 1919, he embarked aboard the SS Empress of Britain for transport back to Canada. He arrived there on 10 July 1919 and was discharged from the Canadian Army the following day. He was issued a Class A Canadian War Badge, the Victory Medal, and a British War Medal. Later, as a U.S. Marine, you'll hear about it, he became one of only a few Marines to ever receive combat decorations from three different countries. Dumas enlisted in the United States Army on 25 May 1920 and was assigned to H Troop, 4th United States Cavalry, and transported to Mercedes, Texas. He was assigned the rank of private. That must have been quite a change from Canada. Mercedes, Texas? Hmm. Not a garden spot. He was discharged from the Army at his duty station on 9 August 1921 per a service-wide reduction of Army order, and he was given an excellent character rating. It didn't take long before Private Dumas enlisted in the United States Marine Corps on 15 September 1921 in Detroit, Michigan, and was assigned the rank of Private again. Private Dumas listed his civilian occupation as laborer. He had hazel eyes, and he was 67 inches tall. He completed his basic training with the 87th Training Company in Quantico, Virginia. And during this period of enlistment with the Marines, he served in Minnesota, Virginia, and Haiti. As you'll hear later on, Private Dumas was nothing if not well-traveled. He was discharged from his first term of service with the Marines in 10 or 18 October 1924, again with a character rating of excellent, and he was awarded a Good Conduct Medal. So now Private Dumas has got medals from England and from Canada and from the United States. He was known in the Marine Corps as Duke. Duke Dumas re-enlisted again in 29 August 1925 in Boston, Massachusetts, again well-traveled. 
He again was assigned the rank of private. This time he listed his occupation as steel worker. During his second period of enlistment, Private Dumas served in San Diego, Pearl Harbor, Puget Sound, Washington, and Virginia. And he was promoted to Private First Class, and even later Corporal on 1 January 1930, before he was discharged again from his term of enlistment on 28 August 1931. He received a second Good Conduct Medal. Corporal DeMoss immediately enlisted the very next day at Quantico, Virginia, and was given his previous rank. During this third period of enlistment, Private DeMoss, or Corporal DeMoss, served with D Company, that's Delta Company, 4th Marines in China, thereby earning his China Marine epithet. The 39th Company in China in Peking was another station that Private DeMoss, or Corporal DeMoss, was assigned. And H Company, 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines. He also had service at the Casual Company on Mare Island, California, the Barracks Detachment in Norfolk Navy Yard, and in Portsmouth, Virginia. This period of enlistment ended on 10 September 1935 at Quantico, Virginia, where he was awarded a spar to his Good Conduct Medal. He found a home in the Marine Corps, and he was retained at the convenience of the government and began a fourth period of service on 11 September 1935 as a corporal. He was transferred to a duty station in Pensacola, Florida, and he ran into a little trouble. He received a summary court-martial on 3 April 1936 for being intoxicated while assigned as the corporal of the guard. He was sentenced to a reduction in rank to the next inferior grade, but he was such a good Marine that the sentence was held in abeyance for a probationary period of six months. During this fourth period of enlistment, Corporal DeMoss served at Mare Island, California, Guam, and Quantico, Virginia, and he was promoted to sergeant on 14 December 1939. This period of enlistment ended at, at Quantico, Virginia, and he was again rated excellent in character and awarded another bar to his Good Conduct Medal. While he was there in this period of time, he also qualified as a marksman with a 45 caliber pistol. That's the model 1911. And an expert with the Browning automatic rifle, sometimes known as a BAR, on 21 November 1939. And prior to that, he had qualified as a marksman with the Springfield 30 6 rifle on 29 April 1938. Sergeant DeMoss was retained again at the convenience of the government in the Marine Corps and began a fifth period of service on 11 September 1940 as a sergeant. Sergeant DeMoss again listed his brief civilian occupation as a steel worker. And during this fifth period of enlistment, DeMoss served at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, Paris Island, South Carolina, New River, North Carolina, Camp Elliott, that's in San Diego, California, and Oceanside, California. He was promoted to gunnery sergeant on 9 March 1942 and to his final rank as master gunnery sergeant on 15 November 1942. Master gunnery sergeant Dumas was assigned as the ordnance chief for Charlie Company, 1st Tank Battalion, and was transported by ship from California to Numea, New Caledonia. The 1st Tank Battalion was comprised of medium or sometimes called Sherman tanks. Upon arrival, Mastery Gunnery Sergeant Dumas was transferred to the 2nd Tank Battalion, 2nd Marine Division, 
and transported to Ethiopi French New Hebrides aboard the USS Ashland. On 13 November 1943, 151 members of Master Gunnery Sergeant Dumas's unit, that's C Company, 2nd Tank Battalion, began the voyage from Ifedi New French New Caledonia to Tarawa on board the USS Ashland. Charlie Company of the 2nd Tank Battalion was equipped with 14 medium tanks, Sherman model M4A2, that were designated to land on Red Beach 1, 2, and 3 during the invasion of Tarawa. The tanks were given unofficial names by their crews, beginning with the letter C, just like their company, Charlie Company. And these names were painted on the sides of the tank, along with what they had adopted as their insignia, which was a rearing elephant. The 14 Sherman tanks that were scheduled to land on Terra were named Cecilia, Cherokee, Chicago, Chanagal, Congo, maybe that was Conga, I'm not really sure, Commando, Cobra, Clipper, Cherry, Cannonball, Condor, Colorado, Charlie, and last but not least, Cuddles. <laughs> I'm trying to picture Gunnery Sergeant Dumas working on a Sherman tank named Cuddles. Somehow, it just doesn't fit. The description of Gunny Sergeant Duke Dumas sounds more like what I would have expected of a well-traveled China Marine. He had tattoos of two butterflies, crossed sabers, a tattoo with 4th Cavalry on his right forearm. He had tattoos of a woman's bust a horse's head, and the phrase Saddle Queen on his left forearm. Saddle Queen? Hmm. Well, this is what Sergeant Ed Gazelle told me about Gunny DeMoss in May 2014. Quote, I was a supply sergeant of C Company. We had 15 tanks and a scooper tank on the Ashland. We had about 45 men in the Higgins boat with me when we left the Ashland. They were mainly mechanics, recon guys, cooks, and supply guys like me. There were 40 of us in the boat, and there were recon men to guide the tanks in the water, corpsmen, two cooks, and maintenance men besides me. On the Higgins boat, I took alongside of me, and what did I see? A lieutenant colonel. I had never seen a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps before that very moment. The boat hit the reef about 200 yards from the beach. This was on Red Beach 1, by the way. Sergeant Gazelle went on to say, The colonel asked the coxswain how deep was the water, and the coxswain says, Five feet, sir. The colonel ordered him to drop the ramp, and we started walking in the water up to our chest. We jumped in five feet of water. Now think, if you're like five feet seven, like Gundy DeMoss, that's almost up to your chin. But, as Sergeant Gazelle continued, we jumped in the water five feet, holding our weapons and ammo in the air. We became big targets walking in. Gunny DeMoss was a China Marine older than most. He kept to himself mainly, but gave everybody hell when he had to. He was about 50 yards to my left and shouting at us. The last thing he yelled that I heard was, quote, They're firing 50 calibers at us, end quote. And then he was hit and went down underneath the water. Of the 40 men who jumped in, only about 10 men got to the beach. I was one of them. The only way we made the beach was to come in with our head showing, not showing. A hundred yards from the beach, there was no way we could recover the bodies. Our weapons were useless because of the salt, 
We were isolated from our tanks, and I spent that day hiding behind one of the disabled tanks just offshore. I spent the second day helping the chaplain bury the dead, but I did not recognize any from my company. And on that hot, muggy beach on Tarawa, Gunny Damas was officially listed as missing in action. As we said earlier, at age 45, Master Gunnery Sergeant Alphonse Damas is the oldest unaccounted for casualty from the Battle of Tarawa. So what happened to Gunny Damas after Sergeant Gazelle witnessed him getting hit in the water off Red Beach 1 on Tarawa? In 2014, Company Commander Captain Ed Bale still recalled that although Gunny Dumas was officially listed as MIA, he was confident that Dumas's partial remains were located. In fact, Captain Bale was certain that a body that he found that was really a partial body from only the waist down was that of Master Gunnery Sergeant Alphonse Dumas. And our investigation has found only one body buried on Tarawa that meets the biometric parameters to be Gunny Dumas and also match Captain Bale's description of the remains that he found and helped bury on Tarawa. And, ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, Democrats and Republicans, short and tall, yada, 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 etc., etc., all of you can now help solve the mystery. There are two chances the Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency Laboratory can identify those partial remains that we believe are Gunnery Sergeant DeMoss from the punch bowl that we believe he was buried as an unknown, that we believe are Gunnery Sergeant DeMoss. Those two chances are none and less than none. But, and there's always a but in history's military mysteries, the Armed Forces DNA Identification Laboratory in Dover, Delaware, can identify those remains. If you are a family member of Alphonse DeMoss, please contact us here at the Foundation as soon as possible so that we can put you in touch with the Armed Forces DNA Identification Laboratory to submit your DNA as a family member and as a family reference sample. If Duke is not one of the candidates that we think that he is, then he lies on Tarawa to this day with other members of Charlie Company, 2nd Tank Battalion, who did not come home. The Cook, Staff Sergeant Carol Lucci, who once gave Sergeant Gazelle a large can of Spam in exchange for eh, some other goodie that we won't go into. He's still missing. So are Corporal Sebastian Gardy and Corporal Harold McGeehan who were also cut down in the water on either side of Sergeant Gazelle. How about Private Owen Clayton Avant, Private William Carroll Donaldson, Corporal Paul Joseph Holland, Private James William Mulligan, Private Little Eddie Harold Vansel, and Corporal Esther Scott Webb. Heroes all, and we have not forgotten them. Thank you for listening to this episode of No Home for Heroes. We hope you enjoyed today's production, and we invite you to check out all of our other episodes on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you like to listen to podcasts. No Home for Heroes is featured on just about any podcast site all across the world. 
We greatly appreciate your comments, and a special link is available for you to contact us on our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. Let's hear from you so that we can bring Gunnery Sergeant Alphonse DeMoss home. We again thank you for your support of our mission to provide information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American service women. Every assistance counts, and you do make a difference. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds in following seas, I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that poor is the nation that has no heroes, but shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them. <laughs>